This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Today we're just we're finishing our series on the kingdom of God, and and I want to say again, we say it often. Um, but we want you to know how important it is and how we think it's amazing that you show up to church on Sunday. Not because you're doing a God a favor, but uh, I believe when guests show up, it's weird. It's hard walking into somewhere new. The first time you ever walk into somewhere and you're thinking, am I dressed right? Am I active? Do I know? You know, you go in, everybody's going to know everybody, but I'm not going to know anybody. And we heard that story. That was an amazing. Kayla, are you here today? Where are you? Hey, you're amazing. Thank you for being vulnerable. Uh, thank you. Uh, that gave courage. I felt courage in this room. I felt tension in this room lower. And, uh, but we want to know if you're a guest today. It's a big deal that you would trust someone to bring you or just to come because of you saw an ad online or you just heard about it. It's a big deal. And uh, we, we hope we've earned that trust and we keep that trust that you feel like this is a safe place for people far from God to come close to God. And there's areas of my life where I need to come closer to God. So it's for all of us where we're far from God, become closer to God. I want to be more like God when I leave here than when I walked in. I want to have more of his presence and more of his goodness and be more like Jesus. Anybody else love Jesus in this place? All right, not as much as people that love that sleep, all right? Uh, we're glad you're here today. Today, I want, to, I want to share, it's going to be more of a teaching, something like, I've never seen you sit on a stool. Notice I haven't sat on it yet. I move, this is, uh, I also have this rule. Uh, I'm trying this. This is new for me. I'm trying not to do any puns in my sermons for all November. The front row likes it. That's why you're on the front row. But people in the back were like, yes. Now, announcements and transitions, everything can happen. But no puns during my sermons for November. And someone said, what do we get if you actually crack a pun during your sermon? I'm like, you get a pun, you know. So that wasn't a pun, by the way. That was a joke. There's a difference. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to clean up. Because my kids say, Dad, like, it's embarrassing. So, you know, for those who have a problem with that, shame my kids. Just just shame them, but I'm trying, I'm, I'm growing people, I'm learning, and I want to get better, so I don't know if it's going to last a minute, but we're going to try. So no shave November, no pun November for me, all right. If you have your Bible today, Romans chapter 14, we're actually going to be reading a lot of scripture today, which uh, I think uh, you should do in church. This is not self-help, this is not motivational speaking, though we believe you can get help, we believe you can be motivated, but we believe this book changes lives. This book uh, is not just a history book, though it's historic. It's not just poetry, though there is poetry and stories of great tragedy and wins. It's a, it's a romance novel. It's a lot of things, but it is God's plan and God's thoughts towards us. It's a manual for our life. It's a blueprint for relationships and finances and, 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 and health and influence and government and nations. And we believe that this book changes your life. And we believe every time that uh, someone takes this mic to encourage the church, it should always be rooted in Scripture, not opinion. Can someone say amen? And uh, so we're going to be reading a lot of Scripture today. In Romans chapter 14, verse 7. And we're concluding our series on the kingdom of God. And we, without recapping too much, so many people mistaken church for that's all there is. Church is a place you go on Sunday morning for an hour, or if you grew up sometimes maybe like some of us did, five hours on a Sunday morning, eight hours, you need a lunch, you know, and a nap to get through. And uh, some churches, I, I know a church in the States, it's a 15-minute service. I'm not sure what they do in 15 minutes. Uh, it's like a drive through I'm not sure what happens there. But, but uh, the kingdom of God is bigger than a church service. It's a lifestyle. It's, we belong to it. It's powerful. Uh, it's on a mission. Last week we talked about the mission. Uh, the church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church, and there's a difference. 
We don't have a mission state, our mission statement. What our per, we are the mission statement of heaven, the church, the local church. And we talked about churches in Halifax, many churches all reaching, doing something today and, and trying to uh, be the hands and feet and the heart and the mouth of Jesus in our city. And we talked about the mission. Today I want to include, um, conclude this uh, series, and I'm excited about this today. And uh, I'm sitting down now. See that? Just sit down. I'm not going to last, but we're going to try. I, I, I'm too nervous to sit down and preach. I'm a talker uh, and a walker. Uh, Romans 14.7 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to talk on this topic, help wanted. Look at your neighbor and say, I need some help. Look back at the same person and go, you're right, you do, yeah. <laughs> I've seen your Facebook page. Okay, right. Help one. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for, Father, our worship team. I just thank you for the people worshiping, even walking in here. I thank you for our lobby and team and our uh, ushers and our kids' ministry and our next steps. Father, I think about the production team that make all this happen. I thank you for the people that call this home, that pour out their gifts and their talents. I thank you for the guests today. Father, we've gathered for one reason, not to pull off an event, but we want to be more like you. And we love you, Jesus, and we're thankful for your help in our lives. Um, you're really helping us uh, become who we're called to be. We pray these next few minutes would not just be information, uh, but there would be a transformation. We want to change. We want to be more like you, more in love with you, more passionate about your plan for our city, for our families, for our lives, for, our, for what you've called us to do. Help us today. Help me preach clearly and well. Help us to take what you want us to apply and put it in practice. And, Father, we thank you. Uh, for what you're doing in our church. And everybody said? Amen. Let me ask you a question today. And, I, I, and I'm not going to ask you to, for feedback on this question, but I want you to contemplate it. How is your faith journey today? How's your walk with Jesus? How's it going? If I was to say 10, meaning amazing, you're doing well, you feel like you're living up to God's standard, you feel like you have purpose, you feel close to God, one would be you feel far away from If you had to, privately, just in your mind, if you had to say, I want to just see where I'm at, what number would you give today? How is your faith journey going? Do you love Jesus today? Uh, how are you doing following him? How are you doing following Jesus today? It's a question I have. Uh, here at our church, we're Jesus people. If you need to know who we are, we're Jesus people. Uh, we're passionate about Jesus. We sing about Jesus, as you just heard. We talk about Jesus. We, 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 are, we, we believe he uh, has challenged us and changed us and saved us and is a part of our life. He is everything does. We're sold out to Jesus. It's funny how people can be sold out to something and it's not weird. Like they can stand outside Best Buy or something uh, for 12 or 15 hours waiting for a new phone or a video game. And people are like, they're passionate about technology. Good for you. But if people get excited, maybe raise their hands, sing a little bit, post on social media about how, how much they love Jesus or their church, people are like, you're a little crazy. You know, <laughs> some of us are. But we are Jesus people and we love Jesus here in this place. And I'm thankful that we're so passionate. But if I'm honest today, many of us, even in my own life at times, we have a hard time following Jesus. I've heard people say that Christianity, Christianity they say it's for weak people. They say it's a crutch. You need religion. Oh, yeah, oh you, you, got, you got Jesus, did you? You got church. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, in prison, you turn to Jesus. Or in a moment of crisis, you turn to Jesus. Or, yeah, your life's going rough, so you need a crutch in your life, something to lean on. And they, sometimes there's this culture of it's for weakness. I want to let you know I was not injured or weak. I was dead. I didn't, need a, I, didn't need, I didn't need a crutch. I needed a body bag. I wasn't weak. I'm more than weak. 
I'm dead. I was dead in my sin. I was dead to hope. I was dead to a future. My sin had overtaken me. I, had, I was in trouble. I was dead to God. I, I was far from him. I didn't need a band-aid. I needed resurrection. I didn't need a crutch. I needed a miracle. But I find in the last couple years, even as a church, we've had people, people made commitments to faith. We've had over, uh, I think we're over nearing the 350 mark of people that made commitments to Christ in this room, uh, in our journey as a church. And we celebrate that. But, but, but we're realizing as we walk through this that it's one thing, repentance is an event. In a moment, you can just say, Jesus, forgive me, and he restores it. But purity is a process. Is that sign? Don't judge my journey. Because we're all on different journeys. And just, I'm not going to judge you because you sin differently than I do. But we're all on this journey, as long as we're moving forward. But if we're honest, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is more than hard. It's actually impossible. It's so encouraging, isn't it? Like we get into this thing and we're celebrating. We get a, maybe it's some of you, it's, you come into a faith community, you're hearing about hope, you leave here, pumped up for the week. You're like, I'm going to take on. And then after a few months, the honeymoon phase, the songs aren't as new, the, the, the preacher's definitely not as funny as he was the first week. And then, and then the coffee, you know, it's good, but it, you realize there's other coffee in other places. And then all of a sudden you start to realize it's hard to live this Bible. In fact, it's impossible. I want to encourage you. It's more than hard. It's impossible. Today I want to talk to you on the most misunderstood topic in the Bible and the misunderstood person in the Bible and in faith. I want to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, we don't have a lot of time, and I'm going to try to be precise, and that's why I'm making myself sit down. It may come across a little more preaching, though I can't help but be passionate whenever I have a chance to talk about God and his word and what he's doing in my life and in a lot of our lives. But today I want to unpack and talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's what's going to happen today. I'm going to unpack some scripture. I'm going to share my story of what God's done in my life, and then I'm simply going to pray. And here's all I'd ask for you today in this journey that we're on for the next 20-something minutes, is that you would just be open to saying, God, if you have it, I want it. See, we named Nova Church Nova, not because of Nova Scotia. I have one friend, he thinks our church is called Scotia Church. He always says, how's Scotia Church? I'm like, no, it's, it's Nova. Nova's Latin for new. Nova Scotia's New Scotland. Because we birthed a church saying, hey, we want new relationships. We want new dreams. We want new hopes. We believe you can have a new start if you've messed up, that God has new things. The Bible says he makes us new creations. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. He's doing a new thing. And I, I know this. God wants to do some new things in this preacher's life. And I want, if God has it, I want it. So today I'd ask us to be open. Today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 13... You have the Last Supper. Jesus is finishing up his ministry on earth. In John chapter 13, he's talk, it's at the Last Supper. He's gathering his team, and he starts talking to them. And in John chapter 17, he's in the garden. Uh, getting, he's praying and getting ready for the cross. And in between John 13 and 17, we have these, these three chapters of John 14, 15, and 16, where he unpacks uh, for the first time that he's, in, in full detail, he's going away. He's leaving them. But he's sending someone else to come and take his place. Not an it, a person. The Holy Spirit, a person. He goes, I'm leaving, but I'm sending someone else to come with you. And they were distraught by this. Most didn't understand. What do you mean you're leaving? We just got this thing rolling. We just started this thing. And he starts to unpack he's leaving. I want to unpack some of these verses to show you how Jesus described the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're one, they're God, three different personalities, three different people, but one God. If you're thinking, I don't understand that, me neither. 
But I knew this a lot of times. I believe in education. We have, we have professors here and so many teachers, and, and we, have, uh, we believe in education, and high school is the best six years of my life, and we believe in all that. But I've also learned this, that if God was small enough for my mind all the time, he wouldn't be big enough for my need. I, don't under, I actually don't understand how my iPhone works either, but I really enjoy it. So let me unpack a few things as Jesus describes this in John chapter 14. Let me start reading from the New King James Version. I like the way it writes it. In, in verse 16 of John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus talking to his disciples. In between, uh, in the Last Supper and the Garden, he, he's unpacking. He says, and I will pray to the Father. This is Jesus the Son, now talking to God about God the Father, so two of the Trinity. And he will give you another helper. That's the third in the trilogy, and in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So I will give you another helper that he may abide. Notice it's not an it. I'm not going to send you it. I'm going to send you another helper that he, he, person, will abide with you forever. We go over to verses 25 and 26 of John 14. He says, these things I've spoken that you will, that to you while being present while I'm here with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and he, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. Verse, uh, 20, uh, verse 7 of chapter 16, John 16, verse 7, says this. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Why did he say that? He says, listen, don't, don't believe the lies. Like, I, I, need to, I need you to focus in on this. Don't believe stuff that you've heard or maybe you've, you've misunderstood. I, I need to tell you, this is important. I'm telling you the truth right now. These are some of my last words before I leave. I need to, this is important. Here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, let's read this. But I have still many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears me speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Jesus in scripture says, I have more things to tell you. I have many more things to say. Like, I don't have time. I got so much truth. Another part says, if everything he was wrote down, said was written down, it'd fill all the books. But he's like, I got so much knowledge about the truth, purpose, the kingdom, heaven, or I have so, I don't have time. I'm on a mission. I'm on a time uh, crunch here, but I have so many more things I want to say to you, but I don't have time now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he's going to keep speaking. That's why we believe God is, Jesus is still teaching us. That's why there's new revelation. I don't know if you've been in church at all, but I've heard the same story a hundred times, and then somebody gets up or in a Bible study or in a blog, or in a, I'm like, I never saw that before. Or I'm reading, and I'm like, I never, why? Because the Holy Spirit is still teaching us. Jesus goes, I got so much more for you, for your singleness, for your marriage, for your parenting, for your finances, for your, for, for, for your purity, for your sexuality, for your mental, I got so much more. But you know what? I'm going to keep speaking through the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to keep speaking. He'll not speak on his own authority, but what I tell him to say. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the he, the Holy Spirit today, what's his goal? In these passages, it's really clear. He's our helper. I need some help. We need some help. Help is wanted. Because if we're on it, if you're doing this, now if this is a, a Sunday morning church thing, then you probably don't need help. Uh, but if you're trying to walk in the kingdom of God, and it says that it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, you're like, man, I can live righteous two days a week. I got joy definitely on Friday. Monday, not so much. I'm, I'm good, but I need some help to walk in this. The Bible calls him 
the helper. The New King James calls him the helper. Other versions call him the comforter. Some call him the advocate. The helper. That word that's used for that in all, in all translations, whether it be comforter, advocate, or helper, is going to be, it's going to be sound impressive right now. You're going to teach and learn you something right now but from Greek. The Greek word is, is, is parakleto. Don't I sound smart right now? Parakleto. Parakleto, that word, break it down, para means help alongside, right beside you, to help. Right there, right there, right beside you. Paralegal. They come aside and they help you when you're going through your case. Para is right beside you and it's help. And cleto, not keto, that's a diet. Cleto means to walk. So not just beside you, but when you walk, st- stays with you. A helper that's alongside you, but the cl- when you walk, they walk with you. So as you're on, it's not just for a moment and go, okay, you're good to go. It's, oh no, you're, where you, I'm going with you, let's go. We're gonna do this together. And I'm right beside you the whole time. It's like training wheels. It's like when you ta- taught our kid to ride the bike, I'm, right, I'm help right beside you, but I'm not gonna let you go. I'm right beside you. I need that kind of help to walk out this Bible. Because it's not hard. It's impossible. And Jesus knew that. He said, listen, listen. There's so much I'm, I'm downloading. I'm showing you how to live. But I need you to know you cannot do this. It's to your advantage I go away. It's your advantage I go away. Because why was he saying that? Because I don't know. We, who, I, I would like to have met Jesus face-to-face, had lunch, had coffee. I know he loves coffee. Jehovah Java. Come on, somebody. I know he likes coffee. That was a pun. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Who believes I get a second start? <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, kids. All right. He, the Holy Spirit, walks with us. He walks with us. But Jesus said this. He's like, I have to go. Because Jesus was in one place. If he was in Jerusalem, if he was in Galilee, if he was in, he was in one place. The church has grown. We are, uh, the church is global. If Jesus was still here, he'd be in one place. You have to make an appointment. If you could get an appointment, i got to fly somewhere. Maybe he can fly here if we, get, if we can figure out how. But the Holy Spirit, he said, if I'm leaving, it's my, to your advantage because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be able to walk with you in your journey. When you're talking to your neighbor and they come to you going, I don't know why I'm sharing you this, but, but my marriage is a mess right now. You're not thinking, excuse me, let me see if I can get Jesus on FaceTime. You're like, no, no, I have the Holy Spirit. He's with, at the exact same moment, he's helping the high schooler in school that's going through stress and going through stuff. He's right there, and he's helping you in every stage of life and every journey. It's to our advantage. The Holy Spirit is better for us than having Jesus here. Doesn't that even sound wrong? Because we always taught the answer is Jesus. Jesus is not the answer to everything. He knew it. He's like, I got to go. My mission was to come and model it and teach you and die for your sins and to birth the leadership of this church. But I need to go so the Holy Spirit can come and help the church and help your leaders. Jesus was only in one place. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. Here's another thing you need to know. The Holy Spirit's not weird. He gets a bad rap because of weird people in church. Now, don't look at the person next to you right now. Many of us, if you've grown up in church or at all, you've heard of or experienced stories of weird church moments. Man, I remember I experienced some church moments weird, and I, I also heard things that never happened to the church I grew up in, but people had their own, I'm thinking, that never happens, but pe- stories, tell, the game of telephone, it gets worse and worse and worse. I heard stories, I'm like, that, but we've all heard those stories, or maybe you've experienced some stuff that's weird. Here's the truth. People that are weird in church were weird before they came to church. And if they didn't come to church, they'd still be weird. Have you realized, is that too, is that too basic? There are some weird people out there. 
Again, do not look left or right. Some of you married some of them. You know what I'm saying? But there's some weird people. They were weird outside. They're weird in the mall. They're weird in school. They're weird, in, they're weird at work. How many are work with someone that's weird? Don't you put your hand up. Here's the truth. Weird people are everywhere. And sometimes people process their journey, their work, they process it weirdly. They, they're weird in school. And when God comes into their life and stuff happens, they, they process things weird. Weird people are just weird. But what happens is we, 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 we put this, this label on the Holy Spirit and we've made him weird. He's not weird. And the enemy of our soul, and we do have an enemy. Satan is trying to distract us from the mission God has us on and the purpose and forgiveness that you don't need to feel shame as we heard today. That there is hope, there is forgiveness. And he wants to distract us and disconnect us from the helper. In fact, he's okay with you saying a prayer, putting your hand up, filling out a card, if that's all you do because he knows you can't last on your own. So if he can dis disconnect us and distract us and get us away from the Holy Spirit and his constant help, that's his number one, his number one tactic. And how does he do that? He does it by making us focus on the weirdness. You don't want that. You don't want that. And, and, and more specifically, on one gift of the Spirit, and all the focus and the arguments and the confusion, is all, and, it, and it throws the baby out with the bathwater. I love that term, baby in the bathwater. You, you know that term? Like the bathwater you have to drain. You don't throw the baby down the drain with the bathwater. Why? Because the bathwater need is disgusting, but you love the baby. But so many times we throw, uh, we throw everything out because of one thing we don't like or don't understand or people have made it weird. It's like when a bank has corruption. It'd be like us going, well, I'm not saving any more money again. If that bank's corrupt, I'm not saving money. I'm not even touching money. Why? We don't throw the baby in the bathwater. When we have one corrupt politician somewhere, some democracy somewhere gone awry, we don't say, oh, that's it, I'm not voting anymore. Why? Because we know because of one small part or one element, there is so much good and truth. And if we focus more on the corruption or we focus more on the weirdness or we focus on what we don't understand, then we say, what's the point in voting? What's the point in saving? What's the point in investing? What's the point in getting help? And if the enemy can focus us on weirdness, people go, I don't want anything to do with that. This is number one tactic. He promised. He has promised. The Holy Spirit's promised. He's needed. In making this faith a blessing, not a burden. We are called as a church to take weight off of people. When they come in here, they feel heavy with shame or, or, or depression or, or religion. Or they come in here just feeling like they don't belong in church or they're not good enough or God doesn't exist or he's far away. And they come in heavy with addictions and pain and all this stuff. And what we do is we say, okay, Jesus wants to help you. And we take all that weight off of them. Go, you're forgiven. And then sometimes, if we're not careful, we put more weight on them going, okay, you have to live everything in this Bible, and you have to sing a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, talk a certain way. You can't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang with those that do. And we put all this press, and they come in, and they get their weight off of them. They leave with a whole bunch of weight called religion. Going, you got to be at church at this time, and do this, and give this much money. And we put all this weight on them that's impossible to carry. That's called religion. And it's still a sin. It's not fair to people. The Holy Spirit came to make it lighter, to help us carry the weight. He says, my burden, it's a burden, it, it, it's work, but my burden is light. Why? Because the Holy Spirit goes, I got this. It's like when I come home from the airport, my little, my, my little girl was like four. She tried to carry my bags into the house. And she had her hand on it, but I was carrying it. She was a part of the journey. She felt like she was helping, but I was, listen, the Holy Spirit says, no, we're a journey. You've got a part to play, but let me carry the weight. I can help you live pure. I can help you act differently. I can help you change. Why? Because he is the helper. Take the weight off of people, not put more weight on. What's the evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit? 
This is good today. I'm going to try to go real quick. You're with me today. Some of you are waiting for it to get weird, aren't you? I knew this was going to happen. They said they were a Pentecostal church, but they haven't acted like it for two years. This is the day. No. You're laughing, but that's a nervous laugh. <laughs> I've had those conversations. I don't think I'm weird. Am I weird? Don't answer that. I don't think I'm weird. We make the Holy Spirit He's not weird. What's the evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one, power. Power. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. What does that power mean? It means to walk out this, follow Jesus, to shut your mouth when you need to shut your mouth, to open your mouth when you need to open your mouth, to turn off the TV, turn it on when you need to, whatever, to, to act a certain way, to help people, to reach those that are suffering injustice, to help the poor and widows in need, to, 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 to be influencers in our culture, power. What's the second uh, evidence of someone filled with the Holy Spirit? Love. Love. I had the privilege of doing a lot of weddings, and almost every wedding we read 1 Corinthians 13, right? The love chapter. Love chapter, right? Love. Some of you singles have it memorized. You can't wait for the love chapter. You know, it's interesting that the love chapter, it's bookended. Chapter 12 is all about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 is all about the abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. And right in the middle of it, it's like, listen, there's gifts that the Holy Spirit has to help you empower, and then people abuse it, and if you want to keep those separate, you need to have love. If someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the evidence? They love. They love. We've all seen it. I, I know I've seen it in my lifetime. People who treated people horribly, verbally abusive outside of church, but they claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, how is that possible? They, they, they can speak in church in, 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 in prayer languages and prophesy, but outside of church, they're mean and they're abusive. Listen, they're filled with the Spirit, all right. It ain't the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is loving. One of the main evidences that someone has the Holy Spirit in their life is that they are loving. You can talk with the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, you're just an annoying sound. What's another evidence of someone filled with the Holy Spirit? They have fruit in their life. The Bible calls it in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, you need to know this, fruit isn't given, it's grown. I love where we live. I love being in the valley. It starts in the spring, and then the apple blossoms comes out, and then it turns into apple. You just don't, bam, there's fruit on the tree. It grows. When the Holy Spirit's in your life, you may look no different when he came into your life than before he came in, but over time, a change starts to happen, going, you're a lot more patient than you were six months ago. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I need help with those. I know you. You need help with those. It grows in your life. When you have the Holy Spirit, one of the evidence of that, you start growing in kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Some people are so inconsistent in their relationships, in their, in, in their commitment to the church. and in, in so many, They're so inconsistent. Faithfulness is a product of the Holy Spirit. You're a better husband, better wife, better student. You're a better friend. You're a better uh, employee. You're a better employer. Why? Because it's not just what happens on a stage or at an altar on a Sunday. It's what comes out of your life on a Monday. What's the fourth evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Gifts. Now, fruit is grown, but gifts are given. Tools. I call them Tools. And they all become available, not just one, all become available. Man's packaging has distorted and misrepresented the person of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals. We're a Pentecostal church. Some of you are like, what? It's 
It's on our website. We've got, we got the logo on there. We love being a Pentecostal church. But many times the term has freaked people out, and for good reasons. The word Pentecost, all it is, is a Jewish holiday. Like Christmas, we have Christmas and Easter, and we have, we have Thanksgiving. It was, on the Jewish calendar, it was a holiday, was Passover. And then 50 days later, there's another holiday called Pentecost. And the reason why it's called the Day of Pentecost is because Jesus died on the cross around Passover. And then 50 days later, the Holy Spirit, who was promised, came and showed up on the exact same holiday as Pentecost. That's why we're called Pentecostals. It would be in our, if it was today's culture, we'd be called Thanksgivingers or, or Remembrance Dayers or St. Patty's Dayers. I don't know. It's all, all Pentecost, it means 50. That's all it means. That's all it means. Where do we see the disciples in Scripture wanting and receiving this helper, this person of the Holy Spirit? Let me read Acts 19, verses 2 to 5. Acts 19, 2 to 5. I'll start with the first one. While Paulos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. That's important. Believers. Not far from God. Believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. They replied, the baptism of John. Water baptism. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come after, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. He asked the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first became a believer? It's the same question I want to ask you today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became a believer? Baptism, it, all it means is immersed. So in the word baptismo, it means fully immersed. It's like, it's like the difference between caught in the rain and jumping cannonball into a pool. We all get that one crazy uncle that cannonballs into the pool. You know what I'm talking about? I am that crazy uncle in my family, right? But, like, it's one thing to be, have rain sprinkled on you and be caught in a rainstorm. It's another thing to be fully immersed into a pool. All baptism means is be fully immersed. In Scripture, there are three different baptisms I want to focus on where you're fully immersed. Number one, the baptism of salvation. Galatians 3.27, it says, All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Hundreds here in our church have baptized uh, in salvation. Jesus baptized us in forgiveness. I didn't need a Band-Aid. I need to be dunked in forgiveness. I need to dunk in the blood of Jesus to wash away my sins. It's like Tide. It's like, it, it's, it's like that dry eraser. I, I'm, I need it not just a touch-up. I need to be fully dumped in hope and forgiveness and joy and restored to God. I was baptized in forgiveness. Second one is baptism of water. We've had dozens and dozens baptized here in water. And what's water baptism? It's going public with your faith. It's like the wedding band in your relationship. When you got saved, you made a commitment to Christ. Uh, it's like when you got married. Me and my wife got married. We had, it's like getting saved. It's like that personal commitment. But when we put our wedding bands on, it's so everybody, I was in Winnipeg yesterday, and like, hey, I'm married. Something happened 20 years ago, and a private commitment is a public confession when I wear this ring. The new thing now is to get it tattooed on your finger. It's like, hey, it's a part of me. That's what baptism in water is. It's in public going, I made this commitment, but I want the world to know, my friends to know, my family to know. I am serious about this, and I'm baptized. That's what baptism of water is. And then thirdly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be thinking, I'm okay with the first two. I'm good for the third. And uh, that's all I need is the first one and second one, and you would be correct. That's all you need, baptism of salvation and baptism of water. All you need is baptism of salvation 
to go to heaven. That's it. You don't even need to be baptized in water to go to heaven. All you need is baptism of salvation to go to heaven. You're not a second-class Christian. You're not a less than. There's nothing wrong with you. If all you say is, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, and he does something in your life, he, he forgives you in a moment, you're going to heaven. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing less with you. You're first class. God's plan for your life, amazing. But I want to encourage you that you're missing out on the power to live a powerful and victorious life here and to have help. Another example in Acts chapter 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Chapter 8, verse 5. Let me read this real quick. I'm going to go through this. Chapter 8, verse 5. It says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the crowds, uh, people there, about the Messiah. He preached the gospel. Good news. Verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. So they believed, which is salvation, and then they were baptized in water. We see right there, uh, they showed up, preached the gospel, people got saved, uh, Jesus, uh, the salvation, baptism, and then because of that, they believed, then they got baptized in water. Then it says this in verse 15 and 16. As soon as, they, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. They're now believers. They've been baptized in salvation. They're, they're saved. They baptized them. And then they said, and they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been baptized in salvation, baptized in water, but that wasn't enough for them. They said, you need power, you need help. It's a third separate experience to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Another example is in 1 John 5, 7, New King James Version. Let me read this. 1 John chapter 7, I have it in my notes. 1 uh, chapter 5, verse 7 says this. For, all, for there are three that bear witnesses. I like the way my version has it. It says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, the, the Father in the, trilogy, in, in the Trinity, the Father is the Father God, the Word, which is Jesus. In John 1.1 1, 1, it says in the beginning God sent the Word and the Word became flesh. Talking about Jesus. That's the second part of the Trinity. And then it says, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. That's the Trinity in heaven. But I like this in verse 8. Talks about the baptisms. It says, and there are three that bear witness on earth, not heaven. You don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. In fact, the Holy Spirit has no purpose for us in heaven. It says, on earth, there are three that bear witness. The spirit, which is spirit baptism. The water, which is water baptism. And the blood, which is God's for Jesus' forgiveness, which is salvation baptism. And these three agree as one. Do you see the difference? The Trinity is for heaven. The Trinity is for earth. In heaven, I want you to know today, we don't, we don't need... The Holy Spirit in heaven. We don't. You don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But God designed us to live a spirit-empowered life. He never designed the church to be powered by willpower. Why? Because the job he gave us is tough. I can't get up in the morning, let alone follow the Bible. I can't not make puns when I preach. How am I going to change the world? Or raise my kids? Or be faithful to my wife? Willpower is not enough. Jesus, though a man, had divine power to live pure in strength. And it would be unfair when he said to us, follow me and do as I do, if we never had the same helper and power that he had. It's unfair. And God's a lot of things, but he's not fair. He's just, but he's not unfair. Say, do what I do. Follow me. Follow me. And then go, no, but you can't, you can't have the power and the helper that I have. It's not fair. Salvation takes care of eternity. But the other two, baptism of water and spirit, they're for our time here. They're for our time here. The Holy Spirit purpose is to walk with us and help us follow Jesus. Let me tell you my story real quick. We're going to close. This has been good, and I probably should have made this into a two-parter, but I, I, I believe we need it as a church. I grew up in church, an amazing church, a, a God-centered, Holy Spirit-filled, Jesus-preaching church, and 
uh, I prayed my salvation prayer. My mom tells me when I was five. I had a speech impediment, so I'm sure it was a very interesting prayer. I'd be like, I really need you, Jesus, you know, and it was cute and pajamas and bedhead, and I prayed it beside my bed one night, but I don't remember that prayer, but I prayed it. For me, um, I remember at age 12 is when I was wrestling with, is this my parents' thing? Is this my pastor's thing? Or is this my thing? And I gave my life to Christ. I remember when I was 12, the same year, I got water baptized. And the church I was in, we had this big tank, and you walked out. I was so short, they had to put a block underwater so I could stand on it. So you could see me above the tank, and I came out, and I had to, all of a sudden I stepped up. And I never forget to this day, I remember what I said. Because you had to say something. I said, all I want to say is I love Jesus. And I want to follow him for the rest of my life. And then I stepped back down. <laughs> and they dunked me in the tank. I gave my life to Jesus at 12. I, I've, uh, I got baptized at 12. That was for my friends in the church and the youth group. You know, for that girl that was trying to slide into my DMs. Like, no, no, I'm following Jesus. You know, we never had Instagram back then. We, had, we didn't even have MySpace. We had ICQ. Internet. You know, we text in church. We'd send a note. You know, that's how we did it. At age 19... I found myself frustrated with my faith. I loved Jesus. I was trying to follow Jesus. I wasn't living a rebellious life intentionally. I wasn't living a double life. But if I'm honest, I was struggling with two main things, fear and anger. In my weakest moments, I'd be afraid to step out either in faith or even in relationship or in anything, like applying for jobs. I was really intimidated. Uh, anything that took courage, I find I would pull back from. I was fear. But then also, it would, it would snap, and it would turn into anger. And the lowest point for me was one winter, um, struggling with temper. We started getting in fights with people in, in, in different towns in the area and stupid reasons and started as a hockey rivalry from high school and kept going till I was 19, crazy as that is. And, and, and people would cut us off and people, and just stupid little things. And I, my low moment was I found myself, I kicked someone's door in that deserved it, sort of. And, and I got thrown in the back of a cop car and charged with assault for, for getting in a fight, multiple fights. And they threatened that time to take me to a place called the Correctional Center, which if you remember in Sackville was a place full of demons and hell. It was awful. It put the fear of Jesus into me and fear of Hilda Miller into me at that moment. But the, they, they, I was 19. I was past the age when they could, like, it's, it, was, it was a big deal. And they said, you might have to go to the Correctional Center for the weekend. I was scared to death. At that moment, I remember thinking, I was leading prayer meetings in my church. I was preaching once or twice a year. I was trying to follow Jesus, but I felt like I had no power. I'd, I'd, I'd fly off the handle. I, I find I'd, I'd rage. I'd just lose control and be mad. And I struggled with this. I felt so weak. It scared me. Because of that, I said I need to make a change. And I signed up for a missions trip to go to the former USSR for three months and teach English and, and help orphans. And, do, and I thought, I need to get in a better atmosphere, get away from these friends. I thought I could fix it outside of me. And I went to on this missions trip. And in Hamilton, Ontario, a pastor from our city named... Uh, named uh, Paul Francis was preaching from Sackville, was up there preaching in Hamilton, preached an amazing message. And I felt God start to stir in me that there's more for my life. And this man next to me named Phil Cerez, was, I was in the back row leaning against the wall. A good kid, I love Jesus, I love the church, I was trying to help, but I felt like I was at war inside. And he said, do you want me to pray for you? I'm like, ah, I need some prayer. The only thing I can explain that happened that day, it wasn't weird, but he prayed for me that God, whatever you have for Mike, that he would have it, and Holy Spirit, that you would help him. I didn't shake, I didn't get weird, but I felt like this weight came off of my life. I felt like I'd been carrying a backpack for so long, you know, and it's just tired, and I, I, never, I can go back there right now in my mind, it's like someone took the backpack off, I was like, oh, I can breathe. 
And then it felt like I was filled with joy for the first time. Like, this, the, the, like I w- it's like when you're inside a building in the summertime and you think it's bright, but then you go outside, you're like, oh, it's really bright. I felt like my joy got turned on. I felt like my peace got turned on. I tell the story to my wife. She goes, you struggle with anger and temper. Married 20 years. Listen, you can fake it for a week. You can't fake it for 20 years. Not perfect, not perfect. Str- struggle like all of you. And, but she's like, come on. Something happened in my life. It was not willpower, and no disrespect with this puppy dropping at all, but something happened in my life. A miracle happened. A helper came alongside, and gifts got given to me. I started things happening. I started knowing things I should know about people, helping them. I have a personal prayer language I use every single day. But also, fruit started to grow in my life. I became more peaceful. I became, and to be honest, I'm still getting, peace is still growing in my life. More joy is still happening. I'm still growing. I see things growing. Thinking, Would that grow a little faster? Come on. I need some more of that. But a radical change started happening in my life. I remember I felt confidence I didn't know I had before. Could preach, could live, could say no to temptation, could step up to opportunities. Uh, things that shouldn't have happened, I now had opportunity and strength and, and wisdom and giftings. I remember living in England at age 20, working with the YMCA and working with the church. I went to a prayer meeting in the morning, four of us, we just prayed for our city, for Plymouth, and went back to my room by myself, and I sat on the edge of my bed and said, God, I want a plan for my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Am I a teacher? going to be a teacher? Should I do, should I do uh, uh, what should I do? Uh, design work? What should I do? And God gave me a dream that day, literally gave me a dream. It's only happened once in my life like that. Gave me a dream for my life, and I would build his church, physically build church. What you're a part of today came from that dream. Nova came out of that dream. The Holy Spirit started speaking to me. I, I, I remember when I was 29, I was at the church I grew up in, and this man came and called me out of the crowd. It's embarrassing. I don't do that here often, but it was a God moment. He called me and said, I don't know you, but sir, there's something on your life. And he started reading my mail. All good things, not sin and secret things, good things. Like, you have this desire, you have this talent, you have this inside. I'm like, oh, no one knows them, so I want to do that. No one knows that, that's my desire. And, he started, and everything that you're seeing today on this stage, in this church, is tied back to that word when God encouraged me through one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It awakened my desire for more. Nova Church is a church for those wanting more. Those far from God wanting to be closer to God, we want more. New experiences. And many people pass up divine encounters because they resist what their mind can't understand. Real quick, and I'm almost done. How to walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How to, how to have Holy Spirit baptism. Number one, remove the barriers. Some of us, you grew up doctrinally. You learned things with the Holy Spirit. Or things that you were implied, we need to remove it. Remove that barrier. Listen, don't take my word for it. Go get a blank piece of paper. Open your Bible and refuse. Don't take my word for it. Open your Bible and say, God, what do you say about the Holy Spirit? Jesus, what was your, what was your focus on the Holy Spirit? And you need to remove barriers and say, uh, if you have it, I want it. Number two, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. You ask for it. It's that simple. God, if you have it, I want it. In Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says this. He says, if you being sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, we give good gifts to our kids. How much more will your Heavenly Father give you good gifts for those that ask him? It's a good gift to have help in your purity. Helping your faith, helping stuff you're struggling with. Just say, I want that gift. I want that person. I want that help. And thirdly, receive him by faith. You can't walk in this, in this journey without faith. Faith is usually spelled R-I-S-K. It's risk. It's faith. That's why it's a, it's a step of faith. It's like, I can't see it. I don't understand it. But you need to receive him by faith going, you promised him. I don't feel any different. I don't see anything different. But I know I have help now. And you receive him by faith. Most of what God has for you is going to take some element of risk. When you walked in here and said, forgive me for my sins, it took faith to believe your sins were forgiven. I'm now going to heaven. How do you know? The Bible says, I know. 
And it's faith. I trust him. It's an element of faith. There's more. If God has it, we want it. Today, I'm just going to pray for you. And uh, then we're going to go have coffee. That's a good thing. Amen? Come on, worship team. If you're there, come on back. If you can, just close your eyes for a moment. We're going to dim these lights down a little bit, and we're just going to pray. Let's pray. If we can, no one moving at this time, if possible. We're going to pray. First people I want to pray for today is the baptism of salvation, which is all you need to get to heaven. It's, all, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle. Do you know why God made it three different experiences? Because he didn't want anything to make it feel like it was us. That's why I said, why, why didn't God just do this at salvation? I prayed the prayer. Why didn't I get the helper? Why, why do I need baptism to show people that I'm committed? Why do I need a Holy Spirit baptism? Why? He didn't want us to think we had any part of saving us from our sin and connecting us with God. That's why it's separate. It stands alone. It's all we need to go to heaven. He wants you to know Jesus did it all. No one else rallies. No one else can touch it. We, ha- we, can't, we can't ask for it. We can't. It's just a gift from God. If you say, Mike, I don't know God. I'm far from God. I'm walking in here. And I feel the weight of my sin and being far from God. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and put it right back down. And that's it. And a miracle happens. It's called the baptism of salvation. You say, God, forgive me for my sin. I know I can't rule my own life. I believe that you're God. I believe that you saved me, that you died for my sin, that there's a better way and you can connect me and a miracle happens. You now are right with God. All over this place with every head bowed, if you want me to pray that prayer for you, on the count of three, put your hand up. I just want to pray for you. One, two, it's not everybody, but there's someone here today. You need a fresh start. You need to know you're right with God. Three, all over this place. Put your hand right back up. Thank you. Put it right back down. Thank you. Put it right back down. Thank you. Put it right back down. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these amazing people that put their hand up. God, hundreds in this room have already prayed this prayer, and together we celebrate those that put their hand up today. God, we're asking you to forgive us for our sin. The Bible says, and your word says, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you're Lord, that you're God, that you saved us, that you've forgiven us, that you've helped us, that that we're saved, that we're rescued, that you forgive us, and we're washed clean today from everything we've done and thought and that we're right with you. God, I pray right now that you would come in and do a miracle in their life. Erase the past and ignite the future. We love you, Jesus. Now, Father, right now I pray for the rest of us in this room that we need help today. We love you. We love you. We're trying our best to be faithful. But if we're honest, we're weak. We're failing. We, willpower is good for a season, and then it fades. We need help. We need your help. Holy Spirit, we're asking right now, by faith, by faith, that you would give us a good gift, Father. Lord Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit a good gift? to help us, help our marriages, help our purity, help those that are single, help those with us with our purpose and our jobs and our kids, help us in in our thoughts, help us walk out your plan. Jesus, you are the plan. Holy Spirit, would you come and help us follow the plan today? Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. We receive you in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, come on, can we stand to our feet? I've gone long today. We're going to sing one song. Can I challenge you today? Go home and say, God, if you have it, I want it. Holy Spirit, I need you. And watch what he'll help you in your life. Come on, let's sing together.